The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening. We've got a great program for you today, and uh, glad you're here. Thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. You can uh, go on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. You can post comments. You can like us. We always have up there the links to our most recent uh, Spirit of Recovery program, so you can click through and hear the archive right uh, via the Facebook page if you want to. I want to also thank you for letting your friends and the people that are in your recovery community and your unity community and other communities that you're a part of and your friends and family know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of spirituality and recovery right here on unityonlineradio.org. And I want to thank you also for emailing me and letting me know what's happening for you and your spirituality and recovery walk. And thank you so much for letting me know that the guests that we bring here on Spirit of Recovery are making a difference in your life. They're touching your heart. They're giving you new ideas. They're inspiring you. They're energizing you and uh, opening up new avenues for you in your spirituality and recovery. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who either work with or write for recovering people. And they're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your computer or via your smart device. You can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can listen to a year's worth of great archived programs on demand. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery. Also, I want you to know that if you would like to donate financially to support unityonlineradio.org, it helps to support Spirit of Recovery as well as other uh, many of the other great programs that Unity Online Radio sponsors. Um, you can do so. You can make a financial donation, a one-time donation, or a recurring donation. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. And Unity Online Radio is a non-profit endeavor, so um, your financial support is welcome. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's uh, got the disease of addiction, you're welcome here. And as a family member or friend, it's certainly possible 
also for you to be in recovery uh, from the family disease. So whether you're in recovery or not, whether your loved one, your friend is or is not in recovery, maybe you're just curious about the process of recovery, you are very welcome here on Spirit of Recovery. I'm glad that you're listening, and you're welcome to participate. If you'd like to email or call in a comment or question for my guest, you are very welcome to do so. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who's got in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And uh, 34 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. They were a catalyst to propel me into my spiritual life, and I am grateful for that. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in deeper ways. So I am delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing on your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, again, we've got a wonderful program for you. We're going to be looking at the Wellbriety Movement. And the Wellbriety Movement is a culturally based healing movement um, in the Native American community. And it's healing in re- and recovery through Native American values. And it is grounded in those cultural values. And uh, it's just a wonderful movement and does uh, a lot of good. And there's a lot of energy with this. My guest today is a person who is very uh, versed and very well qualified to discuss the Wellbriety movement with us. His name is Carlos Rivera. He is um, a drug and alcohol counselor. He's a CADC2 and ICADC. And those are um, professional addiction counseling designations. Nations, all those, uh, the alphabet soup there, but that means he is very well qualified um, as a professional addiction counselor. And Carlos is also the new executive director of White Bison Incorporated. And uh, this is an organization that is the, the heart of the Wellbriety movement. Carlos is a person who is in long-term recovery himself, and he's also an enrolled tribal member with the Sherwood Valley Band of Pomo Indians from Northern California. And he does have career experience in the substance abuse field, in residential treatment and community development at the Sacramento Native American Health Center. Also, he has uh, been a strong participant as a board member for the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency State Committee in California that's appointed by Governor Jerry Brown. Um, And Carlos Rivera has also and continues to be um, a trainer for the Wellbriety Training Institute. Um, He started that in 2010. He's also a keeper of the International Wellbriety Drum, and he began that in 2012. And he is, as I said, the new executive director of whitebison.org. And so, Carlos, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna. I'm very, very honored to uh, be a part of your show this afternoon. Yeah, thank you, and and really, really glad that you're here. So, if you would tell us how the Wellbriety movement got started. That's a great question. Um, The Wellbriety movement uh, was actually started uh, by... Don Coyhees, he's the president of our board, and uh, he's an elder um, to the white to the Wellbriety movement, White Bison organization. Um, Don Coyhees is a member of the Mohican Nation, and uh, through his through his struggles and journey uh, to recovery, um, he he put together this program that we we use today, and um, today we know it as. Um, the Wellbriety movement, and and what Wellbriety means is it means to be more than sober. It means to live a healthy lifestyle, um, you know, through the four directions of growth, uh, which is physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Um, Wellbriety means to uh, overall uh, be a healthy human being, and so we didn't want it be just sober. We want it to be uh, in Wellbriety and. Uh, and Don started White Bison um, back in 1988, and um, since then uh, we have, you know, reached um, all over the United States, into Canada, and uh, into the Pacific Islands. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the with the Native American cultural approaches to healing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was important about um, Don Quay's starting this with uh, incorporating Native American cultural values? Uh, because it, he was, it was really addressing. I mean, he was, as you've already said, he was in recovery, but he was something. There was a reason he felt like he needed to add some more to this, right, or something different, yes. or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and I, I think um, also from from my own experience um, and in journey to recovery, you know, looking at um, you know the programs that I participated in uh, or referred to. Um, you know, as I was struggling in my addiction, um, you know, looking at um, programs that I went to to seek help, you know, at that time it seemed that uh, nothing was working. You know, I had went to, um, I have been referred to, you know, therapists, counselors, uh, and these programs were great programs. Um, they helped a lot of people, um, but it wasn't working for me, and it wasn't until, until I was introduced to um you know the Native American Wellbrighty book, the Red uh, Red Road to Wellbrighty book. It wasn't until I was introduced to that book where it where it made sense. And basically, what that is is it it incorporates um, Native American culture and spirituality with um, with like for example twelve step programs. And um, and when I when I got a hold of that book and I read it for the first time, it was speaking to me. You know, there was a piece that was missing, and I think that was the spirituality in the in the Native American culture. Um, growing up in um, in the world that we live in today, um, being uh, half Native American and then also being uh, half Mexican, mm-hmm. and uh, living in this big world, I think there's a lot of uh, young people like myself growing up, and um, there's no form of identity. You know, there's no sense of identity, and um, you go through life trying to fit in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and you know not grow not learning the the you know my culture as a young boy as a young man <clears throat> not learning my culture from from my relatives from my parents from my grandma and and I was lost and it wasn't until um, you know it, someone introduced to me the Native American culture spirituality where it felt like this fits this is going to work for me. Um, and this is what's been missing this whole time, and that's what kept me in in recovery is my Native American culture, uh, our spiritual practices, our ceremonial practices. And so I think after you know speaking with Don several times and hearing his story, um, you know Don shares the same thing that something was missing, and it was the spirituality that was that's what was missing. That's what was going to jump out and speak to our to our Native American people. Mm-hmm. You know, you you said something that really stood out for me uh, there, Carlos, which is about the sense of identity of feeling like you didn't have a sense of who you were and and where you fit in the world, and and uh, and that talking about spirituality is a really important part of identity. Could you talk about that some more? And it, it's almost like spirituality is about connections somehow. How did yeah you cook? yeah tell us more about that. Yeah, I'm. You know, again, when, when I was raised by my by my grandmother, she was a single parent. Um, mm-hmm. My mom, um, you know, she was not in my life. She spent most of her life uh, in and out of um, incarceration. And uh, and my dad, he, uh, I went back to you know went to live in Mexico again for some time. And so growing up with uh, you know with my grandmother, who was also um, a person who went to boarding school as a young girl, um, she came, you know, she she got out of boarding school, came back home, and um, and she uh, didn't learn the culture anymore. She didn't, you know, speak language. She didn't practice any ceremonial <coughs> practices, and and so so as I was growing up with my grandmother, um, there was a lot of things, a lot of teachings that I did not get, and I'm not talking about just the ceremonial or spirituality. But there was also teachings in life, life skills that I did not get, and and so that that caused uh, you know many hardships in my life as far as trying to trying to uh, you know grow up and, and live life and, and live a healthy life, uh, and I didn't know how to do that. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know how to do that. I didn't have the skills to do that, and um, and my decisions eventually landed me in, um, into the youth authority system. You know, as a young boy. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so thinking about my family, thinking about my grandmother, um, you know, that we had family members who lived on the reservation and off the reservation. But uh, a lot of them were, you know, full, we call them, you know, full bloods or, um, you know, they were, um, you know, 100% Native American. And mm-hmm. so even even within our in our own family systems, there's um, there's the oppression, you know. There's the intergenerational trauma, um, you know. And so I would I would even receive that not just from the outside world, but I would also receive it from from my, within my own family because I was um, you know because I had two uh, cultural backgrounds, you know. And so so I just remember the feeling of feeling very uh, lost and hurt, you know, deep within. And I always felt like something was wrong with me, you know, always feeling that something was wrong with me inside. And mm-hmm. and that feeling was so deep. Um, but also somewhere along the road, I learned um, somewhere that it wasn't okay for me to cry. And so I didn't. So I, I held all my feelings inside. I stuffed them inside. And I, I went, you know, I went along in life doing the best I could. But there was a lot of issues within me that, that uh, I never shared, you know, I didn't share it. I didn't have anybody to express those feelings to, and um, and it just built up and built up. So I think that, um, you know, I think that it wasn't until I, you know, got into recovery, which I entered recovery in 2004, and it was through a Native American program. And it wasn't until I was around healthy Native American people when I first seen the beauty in our cultural ways, in our ceremonial ways. Mm-hmm. And and also it was the first time where I felt like I belonged. You know, and it was and it was people that I didn't even know. It was individuals that weren't even from my tribe, weren't even from California. They were kind they were Native American people from all over the country, but they accepted me for who I for who I am. Mhm. Yeah. Thank you for telling us that because that's, you know, that really is the, the essence of recovery, I think, for everybody. And, uh, and every individual, of course, has to find that sense of belonging in their own way because we all kind of belong, I guess, in a way, in a different way, but the same way. I don't know how to say it, but, but, but yes. yeah, it sounds like that the, the bottom line in recovery is that sense of what you're saying of acceptance, being mm-hmm. accepting yourself, having people accepting you. And also knowing I, I belong, I belong somewhere into, to a culture and a community that, um, that I'm proud of, that I see the beauty in. Is yeah. that, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's almost like it fills that, um, void. I, addiction's a funny thing, you know, I think we know it has both a physical component, biological component, as well as the emotional component, but, um, yeah. But it sounds like that that when, once you made that connection, that as you say, it it began to release you from the yes. bondage of the addiction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once once I was once I felt that I belonged somewhere, uh, and then I wanted to stay. There was there yeah. was no longer this this need inside where I where I wanted to run. You see, most of my most of my life I I, I ran, and I I ran since I was a young boy. And even as I became a, a man, an adult, I found myself still running. And even when I didn't have to run anymore, I still found myself running from place to place. Or, um, you know, if it was a situation, it was a relationship, maybe it was employment. I was always running because it just did not feel right inside. And so, you know, recovery and my spirituality and my Native American culture has, you know, has allowed me to stop running to be mm-hmm. able to to uh you know face things as they as they come to me and I don't have to run and I don't have to um you know be afraid of that and fight it um you know so I learned acceptance through through our culture um I learned uh, the sense of belonging uh the sense of trust you know those are all important things that that I didn't have um growing up I, you know it felt that way um so I owe, I owe so much to my spirituality I owe so much to recovery and to, um, you know, my Native American um, culture. You know, that's, mm-hmm. again, I, I think the 12 steps, you know, helped me to get mm-hmm. clean and sober, but mm-hmm. it was through the spirituality that has allowed me to maintain it. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people um, getting into recovery, just like myself, um, 
seem like it was the hardest thing to do, but actually it's living it day by day that becomes the hardest thing to do. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it's time for our first break. So, um, listeners, stay with us. Our topic today is the Wellbriety Movement, which is culturally based healing through Native American values. And my guest is Carlos Rivera, who's the executive director of White Bison, which is the heart and center of the Wellbriety Movement. And you can find their website at www.whitebison.org. We'll be right back. Stay with us here on Spirit of Recovery. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is the Wellbriety Movement, Culturally Based Healing Through Native American Values. My guest is the new Executive Director of White Bison Incorporated and uh, his name is Carlos Rivera. Carlos is a person who's in long-term recovery. He's also an enrolled tribal member with the Sherwood Valley Band of Pomo Indians from Northern California. California. He is an addiction professional and has much career experience in the substance abuse field and residential treatment and community development. He is also a board member for the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency State Committee in California, appointed by Governor Jerry Brown. And um, he, again, is the executive director of White Bison Incorporated and continues to be a trainer for them. He's also a keeper of the International Wellbriety drum and he's sharing with us about um, his own personal experience with recovery and also uh, with the work of white bison you can learn more about his work and about what white bison is doing at their website it's www.whitebison just like it spelled just like it sounds.org that's whitebison.org Before I get back to my conversation with my guest, Carlos Rivera, I invite you to join me for a brief meditation for the Serenity Minute, where you can make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. So I invite you to relax, to feel that peaceful presence of um, life and light, that presence of serenity, relaxing your body temple all the way through your body. And as you allow your mind and heart to open, I invite you to share with me this constructive idea. I am a part of life. I belong to a safe, healthy community. I am a part of life. I belong to a safe, healthy community. And now we take a moment in the quiet.
thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that this was an opportunity for you to relax, to feel that serenity, and make conscious contact with your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Carlos Rivera, the Executive Director of White Bison Incorporated. And we're talking about the Wellbriety Movement, culturally-based healing through Native American values. So, Carlos, you uh, were sharing with us some wonderful uh, ideas and experiences that you've had in your recovery and why uh, Native American values and spirituality uh, is such a central part for you of your recovery. And also, in addition to, you know, what's happening for you personally, you have gotten uh, wonderfully involved in service as an addiction professional and now um, uh, and you've been a trainer for White Bison for several years and now you are the executive director. So tell us about White Bison's work. What are y'all doing? Thank you, Anna. Well, first I'd like to start out with, um, you know, everything um, that I have experienced uh, in my recovery from from the moment I, I got clean and sober for, and then, you know, all the opportunities that I've had. I, I like to believe and I strongly believe that um, it was a bigger purpose. Um, I believe that uh, it was my higher power. It was uh, the spirits guiding me this, you know, the whole time along my path uh, because there's things that have happened in my life uh, in recovery that uh, really can't explain it any other way other than I know that um, it was part of a, a bigger plan. And and I, um, I, I was you know, willing and able to walk through the doors when they, when they opened. And so, um, you know, one of the, one of the greatest opportunities that I've had was, uh, becoming a trainer, uh, for White Bison and, and now, um, the executive director. Both of those opportunities, um, that I've had, I, I, um, my whole purpose was to, to help others, um, you know, get clean and sober, uh, and to live a healthy life. And, um, and then, and in return, um, you know, continue to help myself, uh, myself to maintain my, uh, recovery. And so at White Bison, it's just been a blessing to be able to be a part of this program that has helped so many indigenous people all over the, the country. And then, you know, now, um, reaching across the seas and, uh, into different countries like Canada and Mexico. Um, we currently have, uh, eight trainers at White Bison who, who, um, you know, on a monthly basis, um, you know, travel to different reservations, uh, different tribal communities here in the United States, uh, Alaska and Canada. And they offer teachings, um, that, uh, of our programs. So we develop, we develop Native American cultural teachings, um, along with programs that, uh, that are being used widely here in the United States, um, such as, like I said, 12 step, um, family programs, um, you know, parolee programs. What we have done is we've uh, we have um, included our Native American culture, and so we go out and teach that to tribal communities who can benefit from it. Uh, we are we are one. You know, we are an option. You know, we know that there's many programs out there that have been helping our people for so long, and and I really um, you know honor those programs, and uh, and I'm just excited that we get to be you know another great option so that programs can can call on us to to bring in our uh, curriculum and and um, you know teaching that may help uh, our people uh, white bison you were a nonprofit agency um, at this moment but we don't operate off of any um, you know any any grants um, most of the most of the work that we, um, the revenue that we get is based off of the work that we do so we're a small organization um, we have a small number of staff uh but we do so much um and so we're, you know it's constant um um constantly busy um planning our schedule for the for the upcoming months um you know white bison is the bigger umbrella underneath white bison there's many uh many components to it we have the wellbride institute which is located in uh colorado springs colorado and um our address is 5585 arendale drive uh, suite 203 and um our telephone number is area code 719 548 1000 
And um, you can reach us um, anytime for information. And as you said, you've given our um, our uh, website out, um, whitebison.org, and you can um, log on to our website and find a lot of information out. We also um, have uh, we also have uh, Koi's Publishing, which is uh, Don's, um, you know, other um, other business that um, that also uh, produces our material, which is um, you know binders, books, and, and manuals, um, things that um, you know that that we have available for all of our trainings. And um, yeah, so I mean, there's so much to to White Bison and what we're doing. Um, we're constantly working on new programs. And one of our newest programs that we have available um, is what we call the Well Varieties, Celebrating Families. And uh, we're in partnership with uh, um, NACOA, which is mm-hmm. um, National Adult Children of Alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've partnered with NACOA to bring this program to Native American communities. So we're extremely happy about that. Uh, we actually just trained a group of uh, around 10 people uh, last week in Colorado Springs. Um, so that they can go back to their communities and and, and uh, implement this program into their community. Um, we also have a new program called Warrior Down Recovery Coach, and this program is designed to help uh, Native American people stay out of prison. So we've uh, put together a program that can uh, provide resources for for our we call them relatives who are coming home. Um, you know, our goal is to. Um, you know, to keep our relatives out of the prison system, um, out of, um, you know, jails and, and programs. And so we're really excited about these two programs. And uh, I'm, I'm particularly excited about both of them because I had the opportunity to, to help develop it uh, with Don and, and a team. And so it's just been great. Um, White Bison, um, again, we're currently doing a lot of work in Canada. Um, so we're, we're thinking about, um, um, you know, what can we do to make it make it easier? Um, you know, so we're expanding our training team. Uh, we have a trainer who's currently uh, lives in Canada, and um, and we're also pursuing another trainer who can possibly help us in that area. So that's wonderful. You know, it really makes a big difference. Um, like you're saying, you're generating this energy and and generating a whole. Uh, wonderful consciousness around recovery uh in the native american community and uh, for indigenous people in in this continent and and beyond it's you're just making a real impact it's wonderful tell us a bit about i know one of the foundational programs that um white bison has and i i think you've had it for years so i could be incorrect but you can tell me is the medicine wheel and the 12 steps oh yes Tell us about yes. that and how that works. What's, what's that about? Yeah, the, the medicine wheel and twelve step program. Um, also, for my for my knowledge, is that was the very first program that uh, that Don um, helped develop, and he shares with me that there was a team of team of people that helped put that program together. And um, and again, what it what it does is incorporates twelve um, step model um, with Native American teachings. Um, the way that Don shares this story with me is that, um, you know, he took those 12 steps to a group of elders, and and those elders reviewed the 12 steps and um, and then returned to him and said that, you know, these are similar to our teachings. These are similar to our way of life and, and uh, philosophies. And so <clears throat> the elders said the only thing that we would do is we would put it in a circle. And, uh, and so... Then, then became um, uh, you know the the task on on um, developing this program for Native Americans. Um, yeah, and it's twelve step model um, that we all know out there in in the um, in the recovery world. Um, but again, it includes our ceremonial practices. It includes um, spirituality, um, uh, cultural values, and teachings. And what's great about uh, the medicine world twelve steps that this is what actually captured me in the beginning was that it was it, it's a template so you know we know that uh, across the united states there's different tribes and there's different beliefs there's different traditions there's different language there's different ceremonies and so not um, all tribes are are the same um, in that in that perspective and so with with the white bison with medicine world teachings 
um, it, it allows you to include what's going to work for your tribal people, what's going to work for your um, region, you know, what's going to work for your language, what's going to work for your recovery. And that was very um, inviting to me, you know, because growing up, um, there's, there was moments in my life as I was growing up um, being placed into group homes or, you know, residential programs or even um, in the juvenile hall system and then later on in the adult um, jail system. As I was going through those through those uh, systems, um, you know, at that time, all they had available was, you know, either, um, you know, the, this is the traditional 12-step, or um, you can go to church. And um, and I and it was almost as if they were forcing you at times, and um, and I didn't sit comfortable with that. Um, it's just again, it was I couldn't really explain why, but it was just something inside that just didn't I didn't feel like I belonged there, or I didn't feel connected, or or that it was um, for me. And so, so growing, so growing up, I had uh, this experience where, you know, it was only this way. You can only practice this way, or you can only um, this is all that's available. And so, when I um, when I came across the medicine with twelve steps, and and basically it was saying, use whatever components that's going to work for you. This is a template, you know. But you you develop it, and you put into that medicine well, what's going to work for your people and for you. And so that was very inviting, and, and that's what captured me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt um, it just felt right. And, and you know, spiritually and emotionally and mentally, it just felt that this was a program for me. Um, so the Medicine Wheel 12 Steps, what our goal is, is to put the uh, Medicine Wheel program in, in all of our communities um, and have facilitators that are in the communities teaching it because we know that, um, you know, we can't do this alone, that it's going to take, um, you know, a large um, a large number of individuals dedicated and compassionate about um, maintaining their own recovery, but then helping others to get clean and sober, mm-hmm. you know. What's happening in uh, Native American communities as the Wellbriety movement and the the twelve steps and the medicine wheel are being taught, and the other programs that you have, and what's happening? How's it? What's the effect? Well, uh, this is what I like to say when it when uh, when I look at results. Um, you know, there's uh, there's there's huge discussion and movement around um, what we call evidence based, you know, curriculum, mm-hmm. and, right? And when I think about medicine wheel and I think about my own life. Um, when I look at my life, I think to myself, "Well, that's the that's the only evidence I need <laughs> is because uh, it yeah. it changed my life, uh-huh. it turned my life around, and I was able to to maintain um, long term recovery. It has given me my health back. It has given me my family back. It has given me a career. Um, and and so I, I look at that, and I'm like, you know, I think to myself, you know, that's that truly is evidence that this program works." Um, yes, and is. that's just in my own life personally, but I have, you know, friends and family and people around me who, who I've seen, you know, they've transformed because of programs like the Medicine Wheel 12 Steps. Um, so what we want to do is, is, you know, we want to, we want to see a, a larger scale, um, at a larger scale, this program make, making differences in, in, in tribal communities and, and, you know, and Native American people in the United States. I have seen some communities have, um, you know, at big numbers, um, you know, make those changes. Like when I worked in um, Sacramento, California, back in 2006, um, myself and a couple of coworkers, we put um, the medicine with 12 steps um, in the community. In that first year, we actually graduated um, 100 people into the through that program, and mm. and it's still going today. I'm no longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, facilitating that group, but I have, mm-hmm. um, you know, my um, my ex-colleagues and, and others now who have, you know, kind of come in to support. Now they're, you know, they're still um, teaching the Medicine Wheel 12 Steps in Sacramento community. And so this has been, been years, and, 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 and in the area, in the, in, around that area, there's other groups that have, that have come up um, because of, um, because of that the group that we had were able to implement, you know, so many years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's just one area. I mean, I've, I travel all over the, the country 
and I get an opportunity to see what others are doing. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, there's just so many to to be able to, to be able to remember them all. But they're doing great things in in our tribal communities as a result of you know white bison curriculum and and the medicine world teachings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, I think about the early days in AA, anything that we do with people, you, there's no instant, you can't just sprinkle on some dust and voila, you know, people, <laughs> that's not how it yeah. works. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it sounds wonderful and, and like it's making a really, really big impact. Uh, yeah. It's time for our second break. Uh, listeners, stay with us. My topic today is the Wellbriety Movement. It's culturally based um, recovery based in Native American values. And my guest is Carlos Rivera, who is the executive director of whitebison.org. And uh, you can find their website at whitebison.org. And uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us and we'll be back uh, here on Spirit of Recovery. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is the Wellbriety Movement, culturally based healing through Native American values. And my guest today is Carlos Rivera. Carlos is a um, person in long-term recovery. He's also an addiction professional. He's the executive director of White Bison Incorporated. And uh, he is also an enrolled tribal member of the Sherwood Valley Band of Pomo Indians from Northern California. And he has lots of career experience in the substance abuse field as well as in the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency State Committee in California, appointed by Governor Jerry Brown, and he um, is sharing with us the great work that White Bison's doing and what uh, are the Native American values that are incorporated in the recovery process. So, um, Carlos, you were sharing with us about the the 12 steps and uh, the medicine wheel, and I know one thing that's uh, really important to you that I think is a part of this is the concept of seasons of recovery, mm-hmm. and that's a really powerful idea. Would you share with us what about the seasons of recovery, how that works. Yes, thank you, Anna. You know, the, when I when I think about the seasons of recovery, and um, and I learned this from from Don. Um, you know, this was very um, impactful when I learned about the seasons of recovery and how it relates to what I was experiencing as I was going through my own recovery process. You know, just um, the way the way I was taught is that um, when we get into recovery. Um, we all go through a, a, a cycle of seasons, you know, in that first uh, cycle that we we experience or the first season that we experience is a spring season. And um, and I think about early on my first year of recovery, it was wonderful. You know, I, I, I started to, to feel again for the first time. I, um, you know, I had some great opportunities. Um, I had, you know, was building my support system. And, you know, it just felt good. It just felt really good emotionally, um, you know, mentally and spiritually and physically. And so when I learned about that spring season, that, that made sense to me. Uh, I was, you know, I had, um, yeah, I experienced it in that way that it was just, it was beautiful. It was a time for renewal. You know, I made this, um, decision in the, in the physical world to get clean and sober and, uh, and, and overall, um, what it felt 
was just beautiful. So then I, I go through my, I go through the next year, and then it's a, what what we call a summer season. And in that summer season, it still might be, it still might be pretty, uh, you know, pretty good. There's still good feelings. Um, you know, life is maybe I, you know, I got work around that time, and um, you know, just things were starting to fall into place. And um, but at the same time, as I'm going through my recovery and I'm on the second year. Um, old things start to come up, and so in that third year, um, I had some old uh, wreckage that came up that I had to deal with. Um, you know, old DUIs. Um, you know, I had to pay back money that I owed, and and I had um, you know things like that were coming up, and uh, wasn't still that bad yet. But then when I got into a winter season, which is my fourth year in recovery, uh, it just felt like it just felt like I didn't know what I was doing anymore, and um, in that in that winter season. Um, you know, things really started to not fall apart, but really become difficult and, uh, in my, in my recovery. And so I I think about that winter season and, um, and if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the support that I had, uh, you know, um, put into my life, if it wasn't for the native, you know, my spirituality, my ceremonial practices, I think in that winter season is when, when most people usually will relapse. And I, I think about, um, um, the, you know, in, the, in this winter season, um, it's very tough. It's very cold. Um, sometimes uh, you don't even know who you are anymore. And so in this winter season, I, I didn't know, you know, again, who I was or why am I even here? Why am I doing this work that I'm doing? This is getting hard. Nobody's patting me on the back anymore. <laughs> Nobody's uh, congratulating me. Now I'm expected to live life uh, on life's terms. And so in that winter season, I, I didn't know anymore what I was doing. But I held on long enough to get out of the winter season. And, um, and then, I, uh, then I, experienced, I experienced the spring season again. And, uh, and that's where the magic happens, right? So I, when I got into that fifth year of recovery and I got into a spring season, um, I was able to answer those questions again. Like, who am I? Why am I? And where am I going? Um, and and it, everything started to make sense again. You know, everything um, seemed like I knew I was, you know, I was back on track. And, uh, and that'll happen. That'll happen again. So, you know, every four years we will go through that spring, summer, fall, and winter season. And um, on that fourth year, it will always be a winter season. And so I, I, I think for me, learning that, um, it really put things in place for me. So now when I know I have a winter season coming up, I, I begin to plan, you know, prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen or what will come up or how extreme or, or how, you know, how, how it will look like, but I plan mentally and emotionally, spiritually and physically. I plan for this winter season so that, um, you know, whatever does come up, I'm prepared for it. You know, whether that's being, um, exercising, uh, maybe going to, to more meetings than I usually do. Uh, maybe it's, um, staying close to my elders. Um, you know, my spiritual advisors, people that, um, that usually are there for me when I'm struggling. And so, mm-hmm. so as we go through this cycle, um, and, and we get into, uh, we get to 16 years, um, and then we drop back down again to, to year one as if we were, as if we were, um, you know, new in recovery again. And, and, um, and that was just so powerful when I learned that, you know, that was so powerful. You know, when I think about um, the struggles that I went through, and then I, um, in my recovery, I think about my eighth year mark. Um, in my eighth year mark, um, I went through that winter season again, and um, some old stuff was coming up, and I didn't know what it was. Uh, I just knew that I didn't feel happy anymore. I knew I didn't feel grounded. I knew that something was wrong, and I went to my, I went to my, to my mentors, and I had said, you know, I'm doing everything you told me to do. Um, you know, you told me to go to ceremonies. You told me to to uh, keep praying. You know, you told me to um, go to meetings, and I'm doing those things. But this feeling is not going away. And one of my mentors said, "Well, you got some work that you have to do on yourself." And I sat back and thought for a minute, and I and I knew I knew exactly what um, you know what the, uh, he was talking about. And um, and so this was the first time. It was eight years into recovery when the first time I, I, um, I, you know, I opened up about my own abuse growing up 
and mm-hmm. um and you know carrying that secret for so many years and not uh not sharing it because you just didn't know how and and then it and then it happened so long ago that um I just didn't know how that was going to be relevant and how it was going to help me today and so I just kind of buried it but uh but it wanted to come out and so I shared about that for the first time and uh and it was dead on in that winter season when that happened um and so as you know so I I think about um the four seasons of recovery and uh that teaching um how it can just help so many people you know you it, it can help so many people it can provide answers um especially during those uh, times of struggle right yeah it's like um and i think a lot of people in recovery are starting to grasp this that sometimes after you're in recovery for a while the old hurts from the past maybe ways that as you say we've been abused or hurt start to surface and boy it can be painful but um yes. it's so important and you know to face that because it it changes you doesn't it i mean did it did you find that it it deepened your spirituality or expanded your recovery because you were oh, yeah? most definitely when when i learned about those four seasons of recovery I, I i was excited i was beyond excited i i wanted to share it with family and friends um everyone that i knew that way it could provide um you know some of those answers and you know anything to do with recovery uh, I'm, I'm excited about it because this is my world that I live in. Um, I don't just teach it. I don't just do it on a because it's work. But I live my recovery from the moment I wake up, you know, to the moment I sleep, and and it's a part of my life. It's it's a way of life. Um, and this is a this is an agreement that that was that I made a long time ago with with um, you know with the spirit of sobriety, you know, with the spirit of recovery, and. Um, you know, it was almost 12 years ago. <clears throat> I I made a I made a prayer, and I didn't know who I was praying to, but I just made a prayer. And, um, and in this prayer, I asked for one opportunity to get to get help, to get clean and sober, so that I won't die or end up in prison for the rest of my life. And um, and when I made this prayer, um, you know, soon after I, I was given the opportunity, um, but also I, I had committed. I made a commitment to. To the spirits, I made a commitment to my higher power that uh, if I was given just one chance, that I I will give my life to this way of life. You know, this recovery. Um, I'll spend the rest of my life helping others get clean and sober. And so, yeah, I get excited when we talk about <clears throat> you know four seasons of recovery or anything that has to do with you know transformation and changing our lives. And because I've seen it, I've seen it in front of my own eyes. Um, others just change and, and they, 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 they come in the door and they're, you know, they're struggling with addiction and, and then they come in and they're, they're angry and they, they stick around long enough. I've seen the magic happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of that, you know, I know you have, uh, White Bison has workshops on mending the broken heart and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, Women, men, boys, girls, and I think that's part of this, right? Is looking at um, historical trauma and facing old abuses, both cult- that were done to the whole Native American culture, as well as yes. how that's impacted individuals. So that makes a difference too, right? Oh yes, yeah. We um, we can tie we can tie and connect our current conditions that we are experiencing today in our Native communities. We can connect that with the boarding school system when that was um, put in place to assimilate Native American uh, people to dominant society. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in these boarding school systems, um, this is where, you know, our, our ancestors, you know, our great, you know, grandparents, um, where they were taught to uh, speak English and to, they were taught to practice a certain religion. And, and actually not to practice their own language and their own culture. And so, um, so you know, from that time, um, we know that uh, that trauma that, that our great-grandparents experienced, um, that has been passed down uh, from generation to generation. You know, that's nothing new. You know, uh, we, we've done a lot of work in that area, and a lot of studies have been done on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we can never stop telling the story um, because, again, it's... A, it, it, the current conditions that we're experiencing is a, is a direct result of that. And so, 
when uh, when Don Don told me this once, he said, "If I can go back to the beginning of this whole movement, um, and I had a choice, I would uh, I would teach nothing but forgiveness for the rest mm-hmm. of my life." You know, and mm-hmm. and that was a very very powerful statement, um, and it, because because of, of you know experiencing um, you know forgiveness for the first time in my own life, I just knew how powerful that teaching can be, and how um, how it can change you know um it could change our community so so dramatically in a, in a way that uh that we haven't been able to experience in the past um yeah my grandma was a you know she went to boarding school um she actually attended um um sherman indian school which is located in riverside california um mm-hmm. she actually went into that school that boarding school on uh, november 28 1941 mm-hmm. and um and she left that school August of 1944. Mm-hmm. And that certainly, I'm sure, had a, as you've described, had a big impact on her and feeling disconnected from her own cultural roots and, I guess, from herself. She probably passed Yeah, and, that and it makes sense because when I look back at growing up with my grandmother, um, you know, she knew a couple words in our language, um, but that was pretty much the the most of it she she didn't uh she never took us to ceremonies she never took us to any cultural activities um and so i look back at you know her story and what she experienced it makes sense now to me um, of how much she was actually deprived of when she was growing up mm-hmm. right well we're at the close of our time but um carlos i want to thank you very much for being my guest and Thank you so much for what the work that you're doing with White Bison and I know many other people and for Don Coyes for starting this. And he was my guest here on Spirit of Recovery a few years ago. And, um, Great. so, uh, it's, yeah, you're making a real difference certainly in the Native American community and also you're making a real difference in the whole recovery community, uh, because of the values that you're talking about, the importance of connecting, you know, with your own life and with, um, however you experience yourself as belonging that is so key. So thank you very much. Thanks for you, the work. You're welcome. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome. Okay. And listeners, thank you so much for being with us today and have a blessed week and uh, know that you belong and uh, that your higher power is there with you and within you. And uh, we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Each of us has a unique purpose, a special gift to offer the world. Despite the differences in our talents and abilities, there is one gift that we all can share, the gift of peace. Peace isn't something that takes a particular talent. It's an ability we all possess. All we have to do is tap into it. 
Peace doesn't require a certain set of circumstances either, but rather a state of willingness. When I do whatever is mine to do from that place of peace within, I contribute to the peace of the world. James Dillett Freeman said, I give the gifts that are mine to give, as naturally as a tree gives shade or a bird song. It is my nature to give. I give peace. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify.